I'm so excited to introduce our next guest, who is an online coach. She holds qualifications in nutrition, pre and postnatal exercise, and women's specialist coaching, and is currently studying a bachelor's in sports and exercise science in Liverpool John Morris University. Ladies and gents, we've got Ellen Johnston on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Kira. Delighted to be here. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm delighted to have you on. So just to start with, Ellen, I'd love if you could speak a little bit about how you got to where you are and just kind of where you see your career going over the next few years. So I quite literally fell into the fitness industry okay. because <laughs> I came into it off the back of a knee injury. So anybody who kind of follows me on Instagram probably knows that like I've had quite a turbulent few years in terms of my knee and all things kind of injury as I heard those unfortunate words that I ruptured my ACL when I was 14. So I was very young. I was out for 16 months at that point and I went back and unfortunately sustained a subsequent injury off the back of that, which meant that I could no longer play Gaelic football or any contact sports for that matter. And don't get me wrong, like I did have a little bit of a pity party for a little while, but then I kind of quickly shifted my focus from what I couldn't do to what I could do. And that saw me take up the gym, especially strength training. And it kind of went against everything that we were taught growing up. Like, you know, women should have lift weights. We should only do cardio. So I kind of fell in love with strength training. And I was like, you know what? Like, I would love to be able to go on and educate others. After, of course, educating myself because you can't teach somebody else if you don't know it yourself. So I got my personal training qualification when I was 17. So I was pretty young. And I started training people in a private studio and I absolutely loved it. So then I done my leave insert last year. Oh my God, I can't believe that's like a year ago. But I then took a year out and started online coaching and currently now doing my sport and exercise degree in John Mirrors, as Kira mentioned, hoping to go on and kind of do like biomechanics analysis while also stepping within the realms of online coaching as well and what would you say is like your biggest motivation is it kind of coming from that place of being injured or has that changed over time for you I think for me like it's definitely rooted in that experience with injury because I think I realized the importance of exercise so early on and by building that foundation now or like anyone no matter where they are in their life will stand them as they get older. So it's kind of trying to get people to move away from just fixating on like, you know, chasing weight loss or muscle gain. And kind of just focus on health and like functionality to improve your quality of life and longevity as you get older. Because mm-hmm. I think we get so fixated on the here and now that we're like, oh, it won't matter in like 30 years time. But realistically, what we do today is what's going to benefit us further down the line. So I think for me, that's my biggest motivation. Yeah, and I, I think you're coming from such a good space of like, this is like, I suppose, would you say it's something that's your purpose? I think so, yeah. Like, yeah. I think starting out, I was like, oh, like, I don't know. Because I remember I was quite young when I got my qualifications. And I remember one of the boys in my year at school was like, they're like, Ellen, you're like, you're a girl, you're 17. Like, nobody's going to purposely pay a 17-year-old to train them. But I think because in my local area, like people knew me and they felt they could trust me. 
that like they felt comfortable coming to me for training and then obviously then went on and got like more qualifications and you kind of build that level of trust with people so I definitely feel like right now like I am where I'm supposed to be yeah I think it's it's honestly incredible how you've achieved so much at such a young age even to think of doing a PT course at the age of 17 I think is insane but like I know for me, when I was studying, I felt like I needed qualifications to validate me. And I felt like I need more qualifications. Even even still now, I'm kind of like, oh, but I'm not a dietitian. I don't have a PhD. And is that something that you have ever felt like in terms of your qualifications? And I know, obviously, you know, working at such a young age in the space, have you kind of felt that way as well? Yeah, like I think coming from like my age and stuff, I've always felt like, oh, like, I'm not experienced enough. I'm not qualified enough. Like, I'm not good enough. And when I was working in person, I was in a really toxic environment and I was continually made feel like I wasn't good enough at my job. And then because you've been kind of taught that for like, I think I was there for over 12 months. When you leave, you're kind of still holding on to that belief. Mm-hmm. But it's only in the past kind of like couple of months that I was kind of like, you know what, I am good enough. I have my qualifications and my clients stay with me. So like that's proof that I am good enough at my job to do what I do. But like 100%, like especially in social media, you see people being like, oh yeah, I done this and I done that and I'm doing this at the minute. And I'm like, should I be doing something else? Yeah. It's that comparison piece, isn't it? And like, how do you avoid comparing yourself to those coaches that are in the industry for 10 years that are so much more experienced? How do you kind of navigate that? It was actually something that's, forgetting our podcast it was, but they were on about like imposter syndrome and stuff. And they were saying that basically you don't have to be the best coach in the whole entire world. You just need to be the best coach for your clients. And if you focus on doing right by your clients, then you literally can't go wrong. And I think that resonated so much with me because you can look at people, as you say, have been in the industry for like 10 plus years and be like, oh, like I'll never be at their standard or I'll never be like in their shoes. But your clients are paying you for them. They're paying for your service from you. So by focusing on being the best version of yourself for your clients, it's kind of what's helped me move away from it. And I definitely think it's allowed me to show up better for myself. Because I'm not constantly being like, oh my God, I'm not good enough. I just show up and I'm like, you know what, like, I'm doing the best I can. And that's all I can ask of myself. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's the same, like, you'd always say the same thing to your clients as well. It's like, you can't go beyond what your best is, you know. And just in terms of your injury, how do you kind of deal with the kind of mindset struggles with that? You know, I know a lot of people, they kind of, feel completely lost in terms of training and life and everything especially when training is such a big part of your life how did you kind of come out of that sort of slump with that so a kind of a weird one some people are like what the hell when I tore my ACL I definitely found that recovery a lot easier than the past two operations purely because when I was coming back from my ACL I knew that there was an end point like I knew that after say like the 12 months of rehab I was going to be back on the pitch and that was the goal. But when things became more kind of permanent and that that blow was dealt to me that I was ever going to play again, you kind of feel like that loss of identity. It's like, but I was in full-time education. You'd get up in the morning, you'd go to school, come home. What you ate and what you did after school was dictated by whether you were training or not that evening. 
or like whether you're the game. So when you're kind of taken away from that environment and everything that's familiar from you is like pulled away, it's kind of like, oh my God, who am I? What am I meant to do in the evening after school? Then you had like ones being like, oh yeah, train this evening. And I'm like, oh my God, nobody breathe a word about getting football in front of me. I was an absolute mess. Like I'm not even going to lie about it. But for me, it kind of came at a good time in a way because I was told in January 2020, and as we all know, 2020 is like COVID, like that's what everyone thinks about when we think of 2020. Yeah. So I kind of had like two months where everyone's playing football, getting into the preseason. And then when March came around and we went into lockdown, obviously nobody was playing. So you weren't constantly rehabbing, being like, oh my God, like they're away training this evening. And I think from seeing what was going on around me in terms of like people being hospitalized, people get getting sick I was like you know what like even though I'm injured and it's not the life that I would have planned for myself I am so so lucky to be able to move my body and I can still move it in some form of capacity so I kind of started focusing on what I could do as opposed to what I couldn't because I think if you get so bogged down like I can't run I can't play football I can't do this I can't do that then you're continually going to feel like you're not getting anywhere because you aren't where you feel like you should be whereas if you kind of just focus on what you can control and what you can do it's going to yield far more benefit than getting frustrated and that is something that has helped me massively and continues to help me like especially at the minute because I'm on operation number three Mm -hmm. and this has been the slowest recovery and I just found myself thinking I should be here I should be there but I was like you know what I'm so grateful that like I'm at the other side of it and I am recovering well and I'm still able to do like so many different things. So I think just focusing on the here and now and what you can is so important. Yeah. And I think you learned a lot of hard lessons very early on. So what would you say to anyone that is kind of at that stage that are a little bit younger, like 15, 16? What would you say to someone like that if they are wanting to improve their health and fitness? Because obviously when you were at that stage, you were very advanced. I think like when you're kind of like forced into it, like if you're injured, it's kind of like, okay, this is what you're going to do. But I think for me, the biggest one is just be careful what you consume on social media. Because there's so much misinformation out there and there's people out there who's probably promoting things that really are not that half, you know, eating extraordinarily low calories or doing this really intense exercise regime. If something seems like too intense or too good to be true, it more than likely is. And even if you have like that familiar face, like locally, wherever it's a personal trainer or somebody that works in the club or even someone like myself or Kira that you follow on Instagram. Don't be afraid to like drop them a message and ask for a few pointers because I would far rather help somebody and prevent them from going down the wrong direction than for them to fall in the wrong hands of somebody who's purely just out there for themselves. Yeah, I think it's such a difficult thing to navigate, you know, what's reliable information and what's not. What advice would you give to someone if they're kind of looking for advice and what to follow and what to ignore on social media? Oh, I think, like you said, it's a hard one because there's so many pages out there nowadays and then you don't know who's qualified and who's not qualified. But 
if you kind of see someone and the content that the, on their page seems reliable and like you can just tell from looking at their page that like they genuinely want to help people then more than likely they are a safe person to trust but if you have somebody who's like kind of like polarizing certain audiences like oh yeah like you need to be in the gym like six times a week or you need to be eating this amount of calories it's kind of like very hard and fast rules then kind of stay away from that because they're probably selling you what worked for them and it's not something that can be tailored to you like what works for me might work for Kira and vice versa because we're all different we all have different anatomy and physiology all different lifestyles different demands so instead of comparing yourself to something on social media just be like okay this is where I'm at who is going to help me get where I want to be yeah I think that's really solid advice and like you said you know it's very hard to know on social media but you can often just tell if someone's trying to sell something or if they're really genuinely trying to help people um, also have a load of promo codes in their bio that's normally a good indicator yeah the red flag straight away <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one as well and yeah I think as well we touched on obviously you know managing your injury and I think a lot of what you said there about managing your in- injury it's about kind of having a positive relationship with your body because I think sometimes it's like we focus on what our body looks like and what it can do for us and then it's like if we're injured it's like we're frustrated with our body and like well why can't we just do what we could have done or why aren't you recovering fast enough and I think it kind of ties into like having a positive relationship with food and you know things like that I know a lot of people listen to this they might have maybe not the healthiest relationship with food or training or their body so how would you kind of advise someone to bring their relationship with their body or with food to a healthier place So I suppose the most important thing is that like, although it seems like it's going to get you further, but by telling your body that like you're fat or like you're not good enough, it's not going to help you change. You can't hate your body into changing. A lot of us will say, I'll be happy when I lose like five kilos or like I'll be happy when I'm a size 10. You are trying to like picture to yourself that like you aren't good enough where you are right now and that like all of a sudden when you reach that goal all your problems will be fixed it's like someone's gonna wave a magic wand but I try and tell people try and remove the focus from the outcome and focus on the process and like by implementing say certain behaviors like getting a good night's sleep because I know myself if I don't get good sleep like don't talk to me don't look at me like don't even breathe around me because I'm just like a bear but like when you have a client and they start getting good sleep, eating like a good balanced diet, moving their body in a form that makes them feel good and they actually enjoy, they'll feel a lot better in themselves. They feel happier. And it's not because, you know, they've reached this outcome goal. It's because they focus on the process and the behaviors and habits that they've implemented support a more healthful life. And because they're taking better care of themselves, they feel better in themselves. And that is what you want because if you feel better in yourself, hopefully all going well, you will feel better about yourself. You won't be kind of looking in the mirror and be like, oh, you know what, like I hate what I see because you'll feel healthier. So if you feel healthier, you'll have a more positive relationship to your body. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's something that a lot of people do kind of struggle with. And even even as coaches, I think it's it's not talked about a lot, but I think I know for myself, 
like when I became a PT, I kind of felt like, oh my God, I don't look like a PT. I'm not muscly enough. I'm not lean enough and all these things. Yeah. And like, what would you even say to someone that might be like newly qualified as a PT or a nutritionist or anything like that when it comes to things like body image or just kind of mindset wise? When you were saying that, like I was shaking my head because I'm like, I've had that exact like thought process. I'm not skinny enough. I don't have a six pack. Like if I don't have a six pack, nobody's going to listen to me. Yeah. But I think for me, like people are paying you for you. They aren't paying you for your body. They're there yeah. for the service you provide. And while sure, yeah, it's great if you have a six pack, but like a lot of people will use their body as like your business card early. Right. Like, oh yeah, I have a six pack. So therefore I can help you get a six pack. But don't fall down that rabbit hole. You want to be somebody that people a, feel comfortable communicating to if somebody's having a bad week, you want to have a safe space for them to confide in you about that. Because if someone is, I suppose, they're trying to be you or like feel like they have to impress you, if they have a bad week, they're not going to feel comfortable communicating that to you. And that's going to massively hold them back from, I suppose, reaching their goals because they're not being fully honest with you and then you can't help them to your full potential either. And then I think as well as that, you want to be relatable. Like if you have somebody whose body's like really far out of reach for somebody, they're not going to feel like they can relate to you and they're going to feel like you're constantly chasing a goal that isn't realistic for them. And as well as that, like you need to be a good communicator. Like all well and good having all this information in your head. But if you can't break it down to somebody in say like an easy to understand manner then you don't know it well enough because while things like you know hypertrophy and you know glycolysis might like make a lot of sense in our heads like general population aren't going to understand that and if you're throwing all this jargon at them it's just going to be information overload and they're not going to be able to relate to you whereas if you can break that information down and apply it to them and their individual circumstance then they'll get better results off the back of that and they'll feel more comfortable talking to you as well yeah it's it's something that I think a lot of new coaches do struggle with and it's almost like a shame then because you're like okay I'm a coach and I'm struggling with my body image so now I feel like a fraud on top of everything else um so yeah I think it's definitely it's something that's so common and like just there what you said I think I think it's honestly not talked about you talked about if you can't simplify something in a way that people understand you don't know it well enough and I think that's something that I sort of struggled with as I was studying I was like I felt like I knew things to like almost too much of an advanced level that I was kind of like I can't remember what I need to actually know to help clients with it was like you're kind of losing touch with what people actually need because it's like oh my god I forget that people don't know what muscle protein synthesis is you know yeah so how would you sort of recommend kind of communicating to clients and how to, I suppose, support them and like kind of foster that really trusting relationship? I kind of always take it back to like being in school. Like if you say had a class and it was just information overload, you're going to feel completely out of your depth and that like you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. So say like if a client comes to you and they have like 100 million questions at once, kind of like triage them to like pick the most important question matter and then look at that and then whether it be on their feedback however you 
deliver, whether it be voice note, video, typed, break it down that way. Answer one thing at a time, because all of a sudden, if you have these like 10 questions to answer and you give it to them all at once, they're not going to implement that to the best of their ability. Whereas if you kind of drip feed them the information and like break it down easily for them in a way that they can understand and they can take away and implement into their life, then you're going to foster like a more meaningful relationship. I'd say it's like too easy and early, just like fire a load of information to a client just because you know it yourself. But if you don't give a client time and space to actually process it, understand it and implement it, then they aren't going to do anything with it because they'll be just so frustrated with the fact that they can't get their head wrapped around it on like the first five minutes. So I think just like breaking it down like one piece at a time and then drip feeding it is probably the best when you do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's um, probably the best advice you can give. And just as well, you're obviously so knowledgeable for your age. I still can't get over the fact that you're 19. How do you manage your time in terms of like work-life balance? Because obviously you're studying, you're working, coaching. How do you manage your time? Because obviously you've got a million projects like on the go at once. So I think for me, I suppose I'm at an advantage in the sense I don't drink. So I don't have like that day lost due to a hangover or like because you're out too late the night before that like you're just absolutely shattered. Because I don't drink, I'm able to get like a head start on the day, like before I go into uni. So I'll get up at like half six in the morning, like each day. I'll do like an hour's work. I'll go to the gym, come back, go to uni. And like my flatmates are like, what the hell? Like you're not well. But because it works for me, I like it kind of aligns with the life and the goals that I want to create. Then I'm okay with that. And I would time block my days. Like my Google calendar is like planned to routine like each week. Just lectures in there, downtime, mealtime, time for friends, time for training, check-ins, client work. And then of course university work because that's the most important thing nearly. But obviously things are going to change like day in, day out. Like some days you might have a lecture and you're absolutely wrecked and you're like, I actually don't think I could fit any more information in my head right now. Like, just being flexible. If I get up in the morning and I look at my to-do list and I know that, like, I have a heavy day and you need a head for me, I will prioritise it. I'll break it down, like, three sections. So it's kind of like your P1 is the most important things. Like, non-negotiable, they need to be done. It's like, obviously, that's things like... I know for me, training's a non-negotiable because that allows me to show up as the best version of myself, not only for myself, but my clients and any other interactions I have throughout the day. And then, of course, going to university and little things like that there. And then I'd have like P2, which is things that are second most important. So P1 comes first. And then ideally, you'd want to get like all your P2s ticked off. And then P3 is kind of like, they're not the most important. It's like if you don't get them done, then like it's okay. They'll wait till tomorrow. Like it's not like the whole ship's going to come falling down if you don't get them done. Like they can wait. So I think kind of having that little system in place just breaks things down a lot for me and I'm better able to manage my time. Yeah, that's so clever. Where did you even learn that? <laughs> so good. Actually, it was like, I think it was a doctor guy my dad had it on his Instagram and I was like, that's actually really smart. Yeah, yeah, no, prioritizing it. Yeah, I think it's so important. Even like, 
you know, when you're kind of working for yourself, I think it's so important to like learn to prioritize things like that. And just in terms of like your drinking, have you always uh, been that way or did you kind of give it up at some stage? So I used to drink and I would have been that person like I'd never go out for like just one or two like I'd go out and I'd get absolutely like booed off and any like anybody who kind of didn't know me in that apartment I was probably thinking oh my god like she wouldn't strike me as that kind of person but I think for me at that point in my life like I was using it as like an escape because I hadn't actually faced like my own like demons and stuff. And then it wasn't then until I kind of started speaking about it and I started on, I got the help that I needed and I started on antidepressants that like somebody said to me like, why are you drinking? Because like they were trying to achieve like two separate things. It's like obviously antidepressants are like bringing your mood up, but alcohol is a depressant so it's trying to like counteract that. So I would find like after I would drink, instead of like coming back to like my baseline state, I would like come back lower. And it would just take me days to get back to like my normal self, like in terms of energy, mood, and just everything in general. So I was like, you know what, like if something's doing me more harm than good, then like why am I continually doing it? So I was like, you know what, like I'll just like go sober. And honestly, I don't regret it. Like, because I know some people are like, oh, but like you're at uni, like would you not drink? And I'm like, no, because I know for me, that's not a good thing. Yeah. I think it's so refreshing to hear someone like you speak about like your mental health so openly because, you know, I feel like even I look up to you and I'm like, wow, like she has her everything together. And like, you know, she's so together for someone that's 19. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm 25. Like, how is she so together? So like, you know, it's so easy to make your life look a certain way on social media. But like you being so open about talking about mental health and things like that, it's just it's great to see that. And like. You know, for someone that might be in a similar position where, you know, they use alcohol as an escape, like how did you sort of move away from that and still feel like you had, you know, a normal social life and things like that? How did you manage all that? I think especially in Ireland, there's such like a drinking culture. And if you say like, oh, I don't drink, it's like, oh, but like, why do you not drink? It's like it's a negative thing. Like there's more stigma with not drinking than there is with drinking which to me is like like why are we like this because if you're going out like weekend week out and like that you're trying to use alcohol as an escape and you know yourself it's not doing you any good and it's doing you more harm than good but you're kind of like still doing it because you're afraid of like what people will say or what people will think like you don't have to explain to people like if you decide to take a step back from drink because they don't know your story. They don't know like what's going on for you in that individual moment. And I think we have such a tendency to like over explain ourselves that like everything we do needs to have a justification. Mm-hmm. But if you don't want to like tell someone like why or like why you chose not to, you don't have to. Like that's your story and only your story to tell. Like it's your life. And like you don't want to be thinking oh, like, I went out and I got drunk on Saturday night and, like, I know I shouldn't have, like, I would have been better, like, staying in. Like, I think having that, like, know-how to go out to not drink and still know that you can enjoy yourself and be social is so important because people are friends with you for you. They aren't friends with you because, um, you know, because you drink. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I think a lot of the time you can 
like you know if you do give up something like that you realize who are your real friends and who are just your drinking buddies you know definitely because I think when I stopped drinking like I stopped drinking when I was doing the leaving cert because I was like I don't want to be going out getting drunk at the weekend and then you know not being able to do anything on Sunday because Sunday was always like my most productive day so like I'd stop drinking and because I'd qualified as a personal trainer not long before that a lot of people were like oh like she's getting like really into herself now but she's a personal trainer and this is why she stopped drinking like it's all work related and like all appearance related and I was like absolutely not like it couldn't be further from the truth like I'm not drinking because it doesn't suit me and it makes me feel worse than what it does yeah and even even comments like that like oh she's gotten really into herself and things People like that, they you need to surround yourself with people that are gonna like build you up and support everything you do. People like that, they they're not that don't support like your dreams and your goals and that don't understand it. They're you know, it's okay to kind of let those kind of people go or just like keep them at arm's length. I think it's so important, especially if you're, you know, trying to improve yourself. And I think a lot of the time if people are trying to like improve their fitness and health, it's like you can get a lot of these kind of comments that are just unhelpful what advice would you give to someone what if you're getting comments that are just a bit unhelpful I think coming back to your why like knowing why you want to achieve a certain goal or why you're doing what you're doing like nobody's gonna know that except for you and like you might have like I suppose like a surface level for doing something or you might have like a reason that's like on a deeper level and like you don't have to explain to somebody like your reason for doing something like it's your life and you don't want to be further down the line thinking oh I shouldn't have let their comments like affect me or I should have just went and done it like as Kira mentioned like the people who have your best intentions at heart will support you and they'll be there for you like no matter what and if somebody's kind of like making a remark like oh like she thinks she's too good for us now because like she's doing this or she's doing that like 90% of the time it's because they're jealous because you're doing something that they want to do but they haven't actually built up the courage to go and do it yet so I think knowing your why and coming back to why you want to do it and just thinking like okay like I'm gonna feel so much better when I've taken the steps to achieve this goal and I've achieved it that like their comments aren't gonna matter and just like pay attention to like what people are saying like the people who care for you will build you up and the ones who are continually tearing you down don't have your best intentions at heart yeah no 100% and I think you know if you're as long as you're acting in line with your values and your goals I don't I don't think you can go too far wrong and anyone that has a problem with that like okay and let them go <laughs> definitely more than okay it's perfectly fine yeah exactly so what would be your biggest advice for someone that if they are feeling overwhelmed and they have a million things on their to-do list how to get everything done so what I would typically say to people and like I use with my own clients as well is the way you look at your day like view your I suppose productivity like energy levels on like a spectrum and this can be applied to like anything, whether it be your to-do list, health and fitness, whatever it may be, because we all kind of tend to take that black or white approach. We're either completely on it or we're completely off of it. 
So I typically tend to use the analogy of a standard conventional light switch and a dimmer switch, right? So well, conventional light switch, you're either on, like full energy output, or you're off, like nothing's coming out. So say like if it's, for example, you wake up and you're absolutely shattered and you're like, you know what, absolutely wiped today, like completely off, not going to do anything. You're throwing a whole entire day away. Whereas if you kind of view it like a dimmer switch, so like obviously you have it at full brightness, you're at full capacity, great night's sleep, all cannons firing, ready to go attack the day. But then if you're like towards the lower end of things, like where energy is kind of like really low, then like being able to kind of like gauge what your priorities are on those days. Say, for example, every day we're going to have things that like you have to do. So it's all about kind of having that compassion that like if maybe you wake up one day and like you're really, really tired and you're on your to-do list or your plan for the week is to go to the gym that day, it might be no harm maybe to swap the gym session for like a lower intensity form of movement, like maybe a walk or like a little bit of yoga. Something that isn't going to be as demanding on the body and it'll probably lend a little bit more mental clarity as well. She won't come away from feeling as drained because you're not activating your nervous system as much. And then as well as that, just like know that even though on social media it makes things look like everyone gets everything ticked off on their to-do list every single day, they don't. Like what you see on Instagram is maybe only... 60 seconds of their day in total out of 24 hours so they can make it look like they're getting all the boxes ticked day in day out but they're only showing the good bits like they aren't showing say like the 3 p.m slump like where they're like hunched over their desk and they're falling asleep like no one's gonna show that so I think just kind of having that level of autonomy knowing that like okay like what they're say conveying on social media isn't realistic and it's not where I'm at and I don't have to be at their level just meet yourself where you're at and gauge off of your energy levels on any given day like plan your week out in advance but know that things are going to change as the week week goes on and being okay with that and allowing yourself to be flexible is really important yeah I think as well something that I think it was a quote or something I saw in a book it was like if you're at a 30% energy level, you giving 30% on that day is your 100%, you know? I think it's it's really important to have a flexible approach because I think you can go into your week being like, okay, I'm going to be 100% productive. And if you don't assess actually, what are my resources? Am I going to have 100% energy levels every single day? You're kind of, in a way, setting yourself up for failure. So I think that kind of flexible approach, and like you said, with the dimmer switch, you know, you're not fully on or off. You're just kind of adjusting as you go, I think is a really good way to approach things. And I actually saw you use that analogy. I think it was on your stories a couple of weeks ago about, you know, in terms of food, like being on track or off track, you kind of mentioned, okay, you know, view it as a a dimmer switch. You're not 100% on or 100% off. Could you like explain that a little bit? Yeah. So like, obviously... I would tend to use, say like if a client has like plans for like a social occasion or whatever and sorry it even comes around they're going out for dinner but they know like all week that they're going out for dinner and maybe come Saturday they're like you know what like feck it out for dinner this evening I'll just like write the whole entire day off but like you break your day down say like you're going out for dinner that's one part of your day you can still make good decisions 
throughout the other like 75% of that day, whether it be breakfast, lunch, your snacks, getting a little bit of movement in. There's so much room for progress there as opposed to like being affect. One meal out, I'm just completely throwing it off because something like, I suppose everyone's probably sick of this being thrown on social media, but I don't think it can be said enough is that focusing on being imperfect consistently it's going to be a lot more beneficial than say aiming to be perfect occasionally because realistically we're all going to have things come up for us whether it be expected or unexpected and we're going to have to adapt to them and if that doesn't align with our idea of perfect then we're not going to do anything like for example say you didn't sleep well last night that's not perfect and you're going to wake up today, you're going to feel tired, you're going to feel groggy, you're not going to feel like going to the gym. If you were like, off oh, like, don't feel good today, I'll just eat crap and I suppose won't do anything else, just stay in bed all day. That's not going to get you anywhere. Whereas if you're like, okay, I may be tired today, but I know if I get up and I have a good nutritious breakfast, like some fruit in there, some carbs, then I'm going to feel better. And then if you go out and go for a walk, then like it might make me feel a little bit more energized and ready to get up and attack the day. If you kind of get so fixated on this idea of maintaining perfection 24-7, like on social media, I think social media has absolutely done this over like because you get up and you have like, oh yeah, I'll have like fruit and yogurt for breakfast. Lunch, I'll have like a chicken salad. Dinner, I'll have like this really nice like it looks like crap, but they'll try and make it sound really nice. It's like your chicken, your rice, and your veg. And I'm like, not every day is going to look like that. Because I can guarantee if somebody eats like that for a week, they're going to be sick of it by the end of like Friday. So if you're kind of like viewing your day and breaking it up and being like, okay, it's okay. Like if this part of my day doesn't go 100% to plan, I'll just reset, realign, and refocus on like the next quarter. Yeah, I think. Do you know, that's something I think is so common on social media as well. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, I start my day with my lemon water and then I go for a walk and I get my hour of sunlight. And it's like, who actually lives like that every day? Or it's like people are like, delay your caffeine for like 90 minutes upon getting up. And I'm like, a lot of people don't have like, that's about 90 minutes in the morning. Like if you're getting up, getting the kids ready for school, you're getting ready for work, like you're rushing out the door. You are going to be like, okay, so I woke up at like seven. So that means I can't have coffee until like half eight. At that point, you're nearly on your way to work. Like, and I'm like, who's coming up with these rules? I know. It's like, oh, I'll just set the alarm earlier and get less sleep so I can wait to have my caffeine. It just doesn't make sense. Um, I know. I'm like, oh. Yeah. And I think actually on that, I've had, I actually had a couple of messages about that specifically. And oh, like yeah yeah it's so far I see it all over social media since but like you know there's a lot of messaging and it's actually from people that do have credentials and things like that and you know like of course we're all going to get things wrong sometimes so how would you kind of judge in those kind of scenarios say you know if someone that's you know a doctor has all these credentials says something like oh you know wait 19 minutes before having caffeine how can you tell as someone that doesn't have a nutrition qualification what's you know bs from what's not because i think that's something that's very difficult to decipher definitely i think as well like especially for us if we're seeing these people like these credentials and we kind of see like them on a hierarchy we're like 
oh, like I say, I'm not qualifications and me like, you know, it must be true. Like they must be right and I'm wrong. But I would typically say to like clients that like, for example, if you're thinking about like that 90 minute caffeine rule, like realistically, if you sit down and you're like, are you going to be fit to apply that to your life? You might be able to give it a go for like a week, but then you find, you know, you actually feel worse because like that you've gotten up maybe an hour earlier in order to have this cup of coffee and like align with this rule that's been set by some person you follow on the internet. Like it's not sustainable for you in your lifestyle and it doesn't suit it. If you're looking at something, ask yourself, is this going to improve my quality of life? Is it sustainable for me? And does it actually fit into my lifestyle? And if the answer to those three questions is no, then it's probably not worth losing sleep over. Because at the end of the day, like if you're taking the steps that we all kind of recommend, like trying to be, be that little bit more active, including more color into your diet, reducing your intake of processed foods, getting better sleep. Those are the most important things. And by getting too fixated on the fine details that are fired around social media, you'd continually be getting so frustrated at yourself being like, oh, but like, I've just got this nailed down. And all of a sudden, like, your man over in the corner is like making this recommendation. No, like, focus on what's going to help you reach your goals within your lifestyle and your individual circumstance. Because just because he has like the spare 90 minutes in the morning to delay his caffeine, doesn't mean that like, you know, myself or anybody else is going to have that spare 90 minutes. Don't compare yourself to these like rules that are set by somebody else because they don't know you. They don't know where you're at. And if you have a coach and they're not recommending it, then I'd say don't stress about it. 100%. I think sometimes, especially when, if you're someone that is trying to improve your nutrition and you're really trying to be optimal, I think what I, I say over and over again to people is, focus on being practical over being optimal because you know something on paper might be optimal for you know the elite athlete trying to get those one percents but if it's not practical to fit into your lifestyle then it's not optimal for you you know so it's like as you said it's just about like trying to get the low-hanging fruit focus on the absolute basics you know are you getting your sleep are you moving every day things like that sometimes when we you know, look at social media, we forget the basics because we just try and fine tune too much. So I completely agree with what you said there. And just one more question for you there. Do you have any words that you live by or a life motto that you kind of live your life by? I think one that always kind of resonates with me is regret trying or regret having not tried at all. Because I think we get so fixated on what's going to happen if it doesn't work out. That like we forget to ask ourselves what could happen if it actually went well and like it went like we'd hoped. Because social media and like I think society in general kind of puts us into these boxes that we need to be doing X, Y, and Z. And like you need to be working the standard nine to five or you need to be doing this, you need to be doing that. But like if you have this like goal or you have this dream that like it kind of like gives you butterflies when you think about it and kind of gives you that fire in your belly. If you have something like that and you're continually thinking, oh, I don't know if I should do it because like, what is Mary down the street going to think if it doesn't work out? If it doesn't work out and you go for it, you can return to your current position. Like you can go back to a job. You can try and make the money back that you invested into it. If you try and it all works out, unreal. But say further down the line, when like you're 80 years of age, you don't want to be looking back on your life thinking, 
God, I should have like chased that dream when I was like in my 30s. Because you can't go back from the age of 80 to the age of 30 to chase that goal. But you can go back to your starting position if it doesn't work out. So I think, yeah, like just go for it and don't be kind of stressing about what other people are going to think or what they're going to say, regardless of whether it works out or not. Because it's your life and you get one shot at it. So why not? Oh, I absolutely love that. I think what a note to finish the podcast on. Ellen, thank you so much for coming on. I've absolutely loved this chat. Um, just if anyone wants to get in contact with you, where is the best place to find you? So I'm on Instagram and TikTok, Ellen Johnston PT, but I'm most active on Instagram. I'm like Perfect. on there like every day in some shape or form. Perfect. Um, I'll link everything in the show notes. And yeah, thank you so much for all your words of wisdom. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome.